0: NBC Sports Football Morning and American columnist Peter King, what do you think about the Chase Thomas podcast?
1: I'd like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fan's Chuck and Chernoff Show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps.
0: Chase Thomas Podcast. the Chase Thomas Podcast. <laughs> um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right. Hello. Welcome back. Go Big Orange Friday on a check my notes here Thursday afternoon. But traveling uh, this weekend for my birthday. Going back to Atlanta for a couple days. So uh, Ryan, I think, is actually going to Arkansas. So he'll be on hand for Arkansas Tennessee and what should be a very testy. Uh, fun series between arkansas and tennessee um but market up insiders ryan Shepherd, who i just alluded to is here ryan good afternoon sir how are you
1: doing well glad that our schedules kind of uh aligned this week to make a thursday podcast better so glad to be on here and uh, excited to get into all of it
0: breaking news i think we should start here it wasn't on my docket but it broke really right before we got on here andrew lindsey who has been lights out, big time, uh, big time pitcher, long relief. Um, him and Halverson have just been kind of the two linchpins uh, keeping this thing moving uh, when the chases don't have it on Thursday and Friday and sometimes Saturday depend on those weekend schedules. Ryan, your immediate thoughts to Andrew Lindsay being the Friday night starter for Tennessee uh, this weekend.
1: Surprised. That it was him, you know. Not surprised that Tennessee made a move. I would have been more surprised that Tennessee didn't mix things up with its weekend rotation. But I thought Seth Halverson and Camden Sewell, you know, were more likely candidates just from the fact that Halverson was a Friday night starter at Missouri. He has that experience of starting in the SEC, and while Sewell hasn't, he's pitched in a ton of big games and and a lot of long relief outings in high critical moments in SEC play, and obviously is a fifth year senior and. I don't think he's going to be phased by the environment, but uh, you know, at the same time, uh, and Lindsey Dino doesn't have those things. He is only been out of the bullpen this year, but he's been really, really good out of the bullpen. And I think Cam Newton will some of that, you know, arm soreness that kept him out early in the season. You know, I wonder if Tennessee was just a little bit concerned about that and not wanting to put too much on him because they're going to lean on him so heavily when postseason play comes. And, and then obviously Halverson did struggle last week, and I think at the same time. Uh, obviously, it's Friday night where the starter is, and but I expect it to be Chase Burns to be the the guy left out, not Chase Dolander. Hmm. Obviously, time will tell. Uh, they just said on the, the game notes to be determined uh, on the Saturday and Sunday starter. But if that is the case, uh, I think Halverson and Chase Burns are very similar pitchers. Now, Halverson's been a lot more effective for Tennessee, but I think their strengths and weaknesses are pretty similar, where I think Lindsey kind of brings – And and Sewell would have too. But Lindsey kind of brings a a different look into that weekend rotation. So I wonder if that had an effect on it. And I kind of do like if it is Burns that gets kicked out of the weekend rotation, I kind of like the idea of having Dolander not pitch the first game and kind of letting him sit and wait and watch uh, Arkansas's lineup in game one like he did for most of last season.
0: So you think, yeah, Beam? I wouldn't touch. Like Beam's the only yeah. consistent. Like he he needs to be last. Like Beam needs to always be last. Like if it's not broke, don't fix it. Um, with Drew, Drew
1: Beam is a he's a Sunday SEC starter. Like that's he's gonna go in there. He's gonna throw strikes. He's probably gonna give up some hits, give up some runs, but he's not gonna be wild and he's gonna give you a good chance to win.
0: I don't think any of us had before the year. Drew Beam would be the only one who doesn't make us nervous. I wrote about it this week, where I think what has annoyed me about this Tennessee season and it just goes back to like this is a personal thing but when you think you have an idea of something when you think coming into the year it's like I think you and I talked about this where it's like we figured it would be a problem offensively like they would go yeah. through their ups and downs and the lineup especially in the outfield didn't look all that great and you know like we just thought it was gonna be a 2 one 3 one type weekend situation for Tennessee that they were going to have to grind out just big time pitching performances to come anywhere close to what they did last year. And instead, it's like the, the pitching has been maybe the most unreliable uh to this point um at least at the with the chases and that was just not something we saw and just to be so nervous and on edge on Friday and Saturday or I hate that they mix and match here on which night um the series it's so hard
1: to keep up with
0: yeah so the first two nights we'll just say with the chases not knowing what you're gonna get or just i'm jotting down i'm like oh this is it you got to pull him now like you just you you're terrified with both of them on the mound and like how far you should uh go with him and then drew beam just being steady like you said where you're you're not you're not gonna get some mind-blowing performances from him but he's just he's solid he's the he's the Matt Saracen of the Tennessee baseball team where he's just, he's old, reliable. He's not going to be your ace ever. But like that man is, should always be in your rotation. And every rotation in college baseball would benefit from somebody like Drew Beam, who just, he's the lunch pail starter yeah. for for the balls. And I think he knows that too, which I think helps. He knows that. He knows he's not like the top of the line Friday. Like I'm going number one overall, that kind of Chase Dolander upside. I think I think he's good with it.
1: I think you're right, and it, it's kind of the irony of it because you said it a little bit in, in the Open that Halverson and Lindsay have been so great behind the chases. And, you know, it's those two and Camden Sewell have been the three bullpen guys. And mm. Camden Sewell is the guy behind Beam because Beam's the guy that you didn't think could get would consistently get deep in games. And you think you're going to need Camden Sewell, who is the most proven of that group, at, at least coming into the season now, maybe the best that's probably up for debate you know all, all three of those guys have been really good so that's the irony uh, of it and, and you're absolutely right that uh Nolender, you know it just feels like he's a little bit off he hasn't been great it, it's just never consistent great starts but it doesn't feel like the wheels have really fallen off for him in, in any of his starts maybe missouri uh would be the exception that you know was traveling to florida that day so wasn't watching just kind of following it where burns it just feels like Hanging on by a thread, you know, nearly every time he's on the mound. So you're right. That's been the surprise. That's why uh, I think Tennessee's offense has really kind of been what I've expected. It struggled early in the year and it's now, as it got into the heat of the year, it's not been elite, but you know, it's been plenty good enough for Tennessee to win a lot of games uh, and kind of, you know, a middle of the pack SEC offense, which is a good offense because the SEC is a really good conference. Uh, and the bullpen is more than held up. It's into the bargain, maybe not quite as deep is I thought Wyatt Evans' injury has probably had a little bit to do with that as well and not really being able to find a consistent left-handed reliever uh, besides Kirby Canell But it's the starting pitching, and it's Chase. And it's not, it's not Drew Beam. It's Chase Dolander and Chase Burns. It's first-team All-American, first-team All-American in the preseason. And, and the guys that you know we would have penciled in or etched, you know, markered in before the season, locks to be really good, just haven't been really good. And, and Tennessee's kind of trying to – to find their identity and find their way without that while trying to get them back on track.
0: Who plays in the outfield this weekend? Do you think he rotates? Tony Vitello rotates um, with different guys. Who do you think starts out of the gate here? How, how does the outfield look like to you?
1: I think you'll see Hunter Ensley and Christian Scott and Griffin Merritt, at least to start the weekend. And, you know, maybe you see some variance as the weekend goes on, but, I think that's the bulk of it. You know, I, I wouldn't bet that those three will start all three games, but I'd bet that two of those three guys will start all three games and there will be some sort of consistency with them. And then, you know, maybe Kyle Booker uh, or maybe somebody else steps up and, and gets gets a chance as well, Kavar's tears potentially. Um, but Grim Merritt, I know we're going to talk about it a little bit later, but he's kind of gotten his groove back. Uh, and I think in a bigger ballpark, you're just going to have to, go to the defensive side of things a little bit more. And I think Hunter is probably going to be in there either way, you know, depending on what spot he's in at. But I think in a bigger park, you're going to see Christian Scott, you know, get more, more starts and more put on his plate.
0: So have like, has Griffin Merritt actually turned the corner because it's two games. He's obviously, he ends it against Florida. He crushes the Tuesday night debacle that we don't have to discuss. I refuse to, uh, acknowledge the existence of the midweek games. Um, they shouldn't be broadcast. they should be glorified scrimmages. You shouldn't have to cover it, Ryan. Like it should just be something <laughs> not for the press.
1: Um, <laughs> close the door close door midweek games. Mm-hmm.
0: that would be great. I, I think uh, that would be how I would go about things because I've even tried this year. I can't do it. It's not on my like I've exited off my agenda. I refuse. All that being said, Griffin Merritt out of the lineup. You thought like he was the one where he's a veteran, like even coming from the AAC, not the same level of competition. You were like, at least I know he's going to hit. Like, I, I'm not great with him in the field. I'm a little nervous about that. But like, he could fill the Luke Lipsius role at the DH. And like, even if he doesn't hit as well, just down towards the order to give us some other options and especially from which side of the plate he hits at. Have you seen enough to be like, oh, yeah, we can pencil Griffin Merritt back in? Or do you think Tony Vitello looks at this of like, I don't know. I think I would still rather rotate, and Griffin Merritt's not an everyday guy to have in the lineup.
1: Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen enough to be like, oh yeah, he's going to be great. I mean, mm. it's one game and a glorified scrimmage, as you put it. Well, so no, not. I don't think he's done enough to be penciled in there every day. But I think he's been he's done enough to be penciled in as the guy to start the weekend, and he's going to have to play himself out of that role, or maybe if. Uh, the way the pitching matchups fall, if you like somebody else there, but it's just the fact that I think for this year his ceiling is higher than really any of those other options than a Booker, than a Dylan Dryling, uh, than a Kavaris Tears, and the fact that he isn't great defensively, but he is still I think better than those latter two guys I just said Dryling and and Tears, and then lastly they need a right hand they need a right-handed power bat in the middle that they can put in the middle of the lineup because you have Christian Moore? And that's really it. Sometimes you'll have Charlie Taylor in there. Sometimes you'll have Kyle Stark in there. Uh, but there's just not a lot of consistency with right handed bats. And it's so left handed heavy. And those other guys I mentioned that are possibilities to start there, they're all left handed bats. Kyle Booker, Dryling, Tears, all those guys are left handed. Hunter Ensley's the so one on the right righty guy that's going to be in the lineup I forgot about. But uh, it's just a need to have something to somewhat even out. It's not going to be balanced. In the past, the last two years, you've frequently seen Tennessee stagger them righty lefty righty lefty throughout the order it's not going to be that but you still want to avoid just being completely overloaded uh with left-handed bats and, and griffin Merritt's kind of the one guy that you need to play well and have in the lineup to, to not be overloaded like that
0: yeah i i wonder like do we see charlie taylor at all this weekend does cal stark start becoming a bigger factor from here on out like it's just the bats too good like cal stark i just feel like he has to be involved.
1: I think it's less of Cal Stark's bat being so good and more of Charlie Taylor's bat being so bad. Um, you don't think he needs like, a
0: couple more bats? I think he's really close to turning the corner, Ryan. Three yeah, more bats. I mean,
1: maybe. Maybe that's it. But it's like <laughs> last week, You go Tennessee goes Jared Dickey the first two games behind the plate. Yeah. no big surprise. You didn't think he would be back out there for a third game, and it was just like after how bad the offense was mm-hmm. those first two games. It's like how can you, how can you muster up the strength to go? All right, we're gonna put Charlie Taylor in there now <laughs> for game three. Like, that's a tough proposition, and it yeah. does seem like Cal Stark starting uh, on Tuesday. There aren't much you can you know draw from those midweeks, but who's starting behind the plate has been a little bit of an indicator of things. They got Dickey work there before they transitioned him into weekend. To me, that seems to be an indication that you're not going to see Charlie Taylor as a starter this weekend. Now, as a defensive sub late in games, I think it is very possible if it's close Which is what it Tennessee's should be. Ahead. Yeah, exactly. But I would even say, I'd go a step further,
0: I'm writing
1: Charlie Taylor off, starting meaningful games the entire rest of the season. But I don't think this weekend we'll see it.
0: I am writing it off and Tony is going to have to come on this podcast to explain it to me uh, if uh, that is not the case, because I won't allow it. I've seen the ticket prices going up. I, I refuse. Uh, That is something that I will not take on this uh, on this very program. Uh, Ryan can't do it.
1: Well, I, you know, I think that's fair. You're putting on a brave face and you're mustering Christian Scott out there multiple games a weekend in the outfield something that it took all of four innings this year for you to complain about to me. So well, hold on.
0: Well, hold on. I also said where quote, are we sure it's not point shaving to start the season with Charlie Taylor behind the plate? And yeah,
1: I mean, you've been, I'm not, I'm not trying to say you haven't been consistent about not letting Charlie Taylor in the lineup. Cause you've and look, it's nothing about personal
0: that. about Charlie Taylor. Like great it's
1: guy. Not, if he's listening, great guy.
0: Yeah. Like it's not that it's just, it's not, Gonna, it's not enough with what the sec is at this point like it's just it, it can't be acceptable like it's just with so much loss on it like it wouldn't bother me if it was seven of the nine guys were back from last year's squad in the lineup right yeah like that wouldn't bother me but when you have this much turnover it just can't like you just the yeah, like you said like we've seen the differences with the offense uh with him and not in the lineup and Kyle Booker, too, and like maybe Christian Scott's figured it out, but Hunter Inslee being a bright spot, being someone consistently you can count on has been incredible. I didn't see that coming before the year, and no. I, I never saw Hunter Inslee being like, nope, he has to be in the lineup every day. Um, I did not think that was a possibility for him, but then I mean, Dylan Dryling, I think, is, is good to go, and then I wonder, too, is Reese Chapman and Logan Chambers going to make an appearance uh, over the weekend? Is Tony Vitello starting to get a little bit more comfortable uh, with both guys or are they just going to be the the tuesday scrimmage stars for the foreseeable future
1: i think that's the case with chapman tuesday scrimmage star you know chambers is he's always been the guy like his whole time at tennessee he's been great in the fall and he's been mm. a guy coming into season tennessee's really high on and then just when he gets those opportunities early in the season he hasn't made anything of it so he gets to start uh, the other night uh, on tuesday night at dh I'd be surprised to see him start a game this weekend. I wouldn't be surprised to see if he gets, you know, a pinch hit at bat or something like that. But to me, there's a more realistic path this season to Logan chambers earning it or etching out a consistent role than there is Chapman.
0: Yeah, I, um, I'm, I'm, I'm just excited to see what it looks like. This is going to be another fun test. Um, it's just competitive. Like every weekend, I just have no idea how it's going to go. Um, and it's just, it. what if they just had this trend where it's like they just lose in really excruciating fashion the first two nights against every good SEC team, and then they just blow them out on the third one. Like maybe I just watched the third game from here on out. It's only Drew Beam. That's, I would love this Tennessee season. Like maybe that's what I encourage folks. Just skip the first two every single week and only watch them on Sundays. And or Saturdays, depending on the schedule, you'll never be an upset. Like every week's a, a fun, fun, wild ride for you. Yeah, it's
1: it's and it beams a part of it for sure. But it's like they just seem so much looser and yeah. that game three when the game the game, series has been decided, they've already lost. It's like and with that, I would almost think that, that would make them more tight. You're like, you're trying to avoid a sweep, mm. but it just seems like once Tony used the phrase. I never heard anybody use this phrase in, in this context last week. He said we have. It seems like we have a little bit too much of a football mentality, and I think that's pretty accurate. Like it just seems like they're so geared up for these big series in Game One and in Game Two. Obviously, when the series is still you know uh, up for grabs, and they just press too much, and then once things go wrong, they just like don't have a good response and they don't have the right mindset. So you know, kind of trying to play looser and freer, like they have in Sunday, I think is kind of what they're going to try to tap what they're trying to tap into uh, to get that mentality more consistently. And uh, I wonder if, you know, mixing up the weekend rotation and Andrew Lindsey like that, just kind of downplays things. And like, is having Chase Dolander, the guy that before the year, again, first team All-American, season pitcher of the year in the SEC, pitcher of the year last year, best draft college pitching draft prospect in the decade. Like Dolander in that spot, like it builds up these series, especially when the opponent has a really good uh, opening game, Friday night starter as well. So, I wonder if that will kind of help calm Tennessee down. And, you know, Tony Vitale says it all the time. You're just playing baseball and let them just go out there and just play baseball.
0: Is Lindsey back next year?
1: He has eligibility remaining. He could go pro. So it's, you know, kind of up in the air.
0: Hmm. That's gonna be weird because I what did I say? Like the text don't lie, Ryan. Did I not say are we sure Andrew Lindsey is not the, the best Tennessee pitcher? Well, that did happen a few weeks ago when I mentioned it. I'm like. Dude's a lot. He, like, he, are are we sure it was on the road to um to Asheville when I got away with my wife uh, for the week? Um, it was the Texas A and M series. Texas M series. Where I was like, are we sure? Yeah, he yeah. was
1: really good. I mean, he's he's been consistently really good, and it's interesting to bring up the draft element of it because that's like a really. I'm sure he'll be picked. In a lot of cases, like all those Tennessee Bullpen guys last year, it's like if they got picked. Why wouldn't they go pro? What mm. are they going to do coming back to improve their stock? And obviously Tennessee will have Burns and being back next year, but there will be a starting spot in the weekend open. And even besides that, there will be major, like big time roles of being like a Sean Hunley like type guy in Tennessee's bullpen. So while I think he'll be drafted this year in you know, top 20 rounds and probably somewhere, you know, at this point, there's still a lot of baseball to be played somewhere at this point. I think around the middle in the middle rounds, I think he could come back and really improve his stock
0: he would have the Friday job. I think like if he comes back, like you could improve your draft stock, like really be the ace of what should be a better offense and a better team overall. I don't know. I think that would be pretty enticing for Andrew Lindsay uh, to come back. And I think um, like, obviously you would, you you hate to lose Dolly, but, and we'll see what, I mean, Chase Burns, you can't just pencil in as uh, one of those three guys for next year, because it's just been, uh so weird and then like him shaking off pitches from frank anderson allegedly and what's going on there if there's miscommunication i don't know i think chase burns is a huge wild card at the moment we thought coming to the year he was an ace turns out Ryan Shepard, he's been more of a wild card than any of us (laughs) would have ever imagined there you go uh quickly your prediction on how it goes what do you think does tennessee win the series Do they get swept do they win one like they've been doing the last couple weekends what happens
1: I said he win one, but they don't. They don't win Sunday, so I think we get mm. a serious rubber match for the first time all year.
0: Does Tony Vitello crazy? get thrown out of any of the three games?
1: <laughs> no, I don't think he does. But okay, we'll see. You never, never know what Tony. He's been more reserved this year,
0: but he, he hasn't has. been at Arkansas, and Arkansas In does Arkansas. not like Tony Vitello.
1: They don't like Tennessee baseball team. Yeah. No. The most hated places in the world for the Tennessee baseball team are West End and <laughs> Northwest Arkansas. It's yeah. only West End. It's only that street in Nashville, but it's the whole region of Northwest Arkansas despises
0: Tennessee baseball. Yeah, so it could get testy this weekend. There you go. Um, basketball, real quick. Dalton, I think is it necked. Is that how we pronounce it? Do we know how his last name is pronounced?
1: It is not necked. I was watching this highlight video somewhat time recently and i remember thinking it was pronounced a little differently but i have also it's i've already forgotten what it is so well not not a whole whole lot of help on that one let's see if his uh northern colorado profile and why you talk about him let's see if they have a pronunciation guide
0: do they have a phonetic pronunciation because that is what we need at the moment um dalton will call him for now just the first name very very informal like we know we go way back He'll be here tomorrow. Exactly. Um, what makes him, based on what you've seen stats-wise, watching some uh, some tape from him this last year, what makes him a good fit for uh, Tennessee and what Rick Barnes does going into next year? And where does he fit rotation-wise?
1: That's a good question. Lots of good questions. No pronunciation guy, no phonetic mm-hmm. spelling. Uh, so, stuff it up, Northern Colorado. I think it he fits well because... A shooter that can space the court, and hmm. especially if Santiago vescovy doesn't come back, though I think that's a more likely proposition than I would have said a couple weeks ago. Tennessee's Tennessee's going to be in need, in need of shooting no matter what Vescovy does. If Vescovy leaves, they're going to be in desperate desperate need of shooting. So uh, that's what he gives them. Uh, I think he also, you know, he slashes really well. You know, he, Northern Colorado again. That's just a question you wonder. All right, how does this translate to playing SEC athletes? To me, that would be a big question mark. So uh, he's. Really, obviously, very highly touted. I think a, a couple of different outlets have had him as like the number one small forward in, in the portal. I'm not really sure I see that, though it does seem to be a little bit of a weaker, you know, at small forward in some other spots in, in the portal. But he was really good on a bad team in Northern Colorado. And that's not even, you know, they weren't a good small school or mid major. They were a bad mid major. So that's kind of the meat the question mark with him. He's a guy that certainly see what Tennessee likes and not to say that Tennessee shouldn't go after him. Cause I think they definitely should, but not a guy that's like a complete product in the sense that, you know, in my opinion, that I feel like I know what Tennessee's going to get if they were to land him.
0: Yeah. I think Vescovy is just like your, what, take as long as you want. Like we need you back. I think you kind of hope that just how Jordan James moves on, like you appreciate everything there, but you kind of want to, you kind of want to move on there a little bit. And then Julian Phillips, I that's maybe the most difficult if he comes back. Like, how do you fit it? Like, did you see enough to give him more opportunities? Like, are you, I mean, the injuries that like kind of derailed the end of a season, but I don't know. Uh, did you see enough to make it seem like he was a good fit? I, I just, there's so much up in the air with Tennessee basketball at the moment that yeah. it's really hard to forecast anything. And I just, I wonder because they've been linked to so many guys, the Harvard big man who was already on campus, right? Or does he still have it set up?
1: It's just this weekend. Yeah. Oh, so Easier they're coming together. Yeah. Okay.
0: Is it just those two or is it anybody else?
1: Just those two to my knowledge.
0: Okay. I wonder if maybe we get to commit announcements because it seems like it's happening pretty quick. Uh, yeah, I think
1: folks. Ledlum is here like Friday and Saturday and then goes to Indiana on Sunday. So, and I know he, he visited St. John's last weekend and those mm. were the three schools that I've seen announced that he's going to visit. So for him, it feels like it could be fast. I know Dalton was at Oregon last weekend, uh, but I'm not really sure what else he has scheduled and where else he's trying to look.
0: Well, there you go. Um, most important portal name you want for the Vols is who?
1: Well, this is a name that I haven't seen Tennessee even remotely attached to, but mm. a small forward that I, I like Tennessee a lot is Matthew Cleveland at Florida State with his mm. athleticism and his ability to slash and get to the basket. I think he would be a great fit for Tennessee. But, again, I won't spend too much time talking about it because I haven't seen any sort of connections between Cleveland and Tennessee. To me, it's, you just got to get a point guard. Like, I don't get this – lack of urgency to get a point guard like some of the other stuff and the portal of Tennessee being I don't know hesitance right word but moving slow like you kind of get because there's a lot still question marks and I'm sure even though some of those guys haven't announced I'm sure Tennessee has a pretty good idea on whether they're going to be back or not but it's still some stuff up in the air Tennessee needs a point guard like desperately and there's nothing up in the air about it like what where's the hesitation like what am I I feel like I'm going crazy like what am I missing you have one point guard on the roster he's coming off a torn ACL you need another one badly. Like that mm. bit you this year that you only had one point guard, even before Zakai's injury. And so uh, to me, it's somebody there. You know, I, I like Tyler Perry, the, the North Texas guy who seems to has connections with Rod Clark. Rod Clark, uh, he played for the AAU program that Rod Clark uh, worked for before mm. he got into the college coaching. And then Quez Glover, obviously a uh, Knoxville guy who's uh, transferring from Sanford was fantastic for – uh, a little buddy ball, uh, buggy ball, not buddy ball, buggy ball the last two years down in Birmingham. And it uh, seemed like there was some ties to Tennessee early on. It, it seems like that's kind of faded. But again, that's why there's a lot of confusion on my part uh, of what Tennessee's waiting to do to, to get into point guard sweepstakes. So I would say one of them, Glover or Perry, because Tennessee needs a point guard badly. And those are the, kind of the two names I've seen with connections.
0: There you go. a uh, couple quick uh football things cuz there really just not a lot going on here. Um this week for football orange and white game, skipping that. Uh on principle, Ryan Shumpert for $5 to get into uh speaking of glorified scrimmages, um $5 uh to get into the orange and white game. Uh a man must pass. have a
1: code.
0: Yeah, now. Hard pass. Uh University of Tennessee. Love you. Got the uh the the Degree right over here. It's great, but can't do it. Uh, uh, just morally opposed to paying for a spring game. It just, uh, it's not going to work for yeah. me. All that being said, when you're looking at what to take away um, from this weekend, who do you think the stars based on who's available and who's not of the weekend uh, of the game itself will be who? I'll
1: say Chaz Nimrod because I think he's been a really solid receiver and has gotten a lot better and has again named it probably a casual fan knows, but isn't super in tuned with. And we'll see who all is out out there for Tennessee. Brew McCoy will not be, or Mel Keaton was not in full pads today, which would make me surprised if he's out there. And Squirrel White was in a red non-contact jersey, which, again, would make me surprised if he's out there. So I think there's going to be opportunities uh, abundant for receivers. And I think Nimrod is probably the most uh, capable of taking advantage. And then I think Dylan Sampson will have a big day. Kind of the same thing. You know Jabari Small won't be out there. Not sure about Jalen Wright. You know, he was out there in full pads dressed out today. I imagine he gets probably some work, but I can't imagine he gets much work at all. And they've kind of been limiting his reps. So uh, I think Dylan Sampson will get a ton of opportunities, and, and I think he'll be really good. So Nimrod and, and Sampson are kind of the two names I think that fans will be buzzing about after Saturday.
0: Interesting. I, Nimrod's a good pick. Um, I think one of the tight ends is a good pick too. Um, uh, yeah. I think you is Jacob Warren going to play? Did you say whether or not he is?
1: I think he should. I mean, he hasn't been injured at all. He's been okay. full go all spring, so I'd expect him to be out there.
0: You're just kind of nervous about the tight ends because it's like it's already the thinnest group imaginable uh, coming into the year. Yeah. Where you're like, I can you? I don't even know. I really don't know what Tennessee does at tight end if Jacob Warren, God forbid, were to go down with something serious, like McAllen Castles and Ethan Davis. Uh, I mean, look, I'm pretty high on Ethan Davis and what he could be, but. A thin rim cannot like Jacob Warren needs to be in bubble wrap uh until September. Like it's just the bare minimum. He's already been around forever. He knows the offense. Just be extremely, extremely careful with Jacob Warren. And it's not just because we walked together uh when we got our uh our masters uh here at the University of Tennessee in December. Um that being said, can't can't do it. He needs to be only allowed to record Craven Wings' uh, ads for the next five months. That's Jacob Warren's uh, priorities.
1: Yeah, I second that. He you know, They're going to be in a real bind if he gets injured. And I guess Ethan Davis would be a guy I'll be curious to see hmm. uh, because he's spent most of spring in a red non-contact jersey but has been out of it this week. Um, so it seems like he's going to get more opportunities. You would think he would get a ton of opportunities. You would think, again, I think Jacob Warren will be out there, but you wouldn't think he's going to be – a major major role you know what he can do you need him not to get hurt and you need to get reps for those guys behind them so uh, davis will be another interesting guy to see
0: is nico officially 12 like that's that's sticking like he is going to be number 12
1: i guess so i mean i i see i would say no it's not official because last okay. year they had a billion numbers change between the spring and. oh really so, not a billion but you know like five to ten
0: that's still a healthy amount. Um,
1: yeah. and a lot of them were the freshmen, the who had early enrolled. So,
0: and we'll in see. the NIL era, I feel like you probably can't. <laughs> like, if you're uh, moving merch and moving jerseys, like if you're only going to be there a year or two, that would drive me up the wall. Like, it's already bad enough when you buy an NFL jersey and the player is traded in three to four years or cut or whatever. But like, poof, you buy a Nico Iamaliava jersey this year and he switches back to eight because he doesn't feel as great about uh twelve. Oh, buddy, that That'd be uh, tough. that's tough. I wonder if that's in some of these contracts for NIL. It's like, hey, whatever number you commit to for the next two years, uh, that's uh, that's going to be your number. There's no take backs on, on that front. But I don't know. I think he's another one like the sneaky. Like, I, I'm, I'm certain my group chat is going to be all Nico all the time because whatever he looks like, that's just that's where everybody's fascination is. I mean, still in Knoxville is just what he looks like compared to Joe. and if you're Hypo, you kind of hope that you kind of wish you could keep Nico out from the public eye until September, because if he flashes in a big way and he hits a lot of big bombs and he moves around and just has that look of a superstar right away and Joe misses some deep balls and Joe struggled just a little bit, you're like, oh, so that's going to be the narrative going into this summer and this fall is that Nico outdueled Joe in the the spring game. And that's something you don't want at all if you're Josh Hypo in this program.
1: No, you don't. But at the same time, like we've talked about it, it's going to start the first time Joe Milton overthrows somebody at Nissan Stadium. So you don't want that narrative to be a thing all summer. It's going to become a narrative at some point when the season starts. So it's not, in my opinion, it's not the end of the world. But you're right. It's a good chance for Nico Mania to, to launch into a, to a new gear this weekend.
0: Hey, I'm here for it. As an uh, ardent Nico Iamaliava supporter here, um on the program i i'm here for it ryan chubber what can the good folks check out from you and the team over at rocky top insider this week
1: yeah so plenty of stuff uh, on getting ready for the baseball series i'll have my comprehensive preview uh, probably later tonight or this morning but wrote about andrew lindsey in the starting lineup wrote about at a hornet's mess that tennessee's walking into this weekend uh, in fayetteville and then uh, jack foster and rick bowler will have everything covered back in knoxville for the orange and white game so plenty of content on both uh both sides and anything basketball pops up, we'll have it covered as well.
0: There you go. Ryan Shepherd, safe travels uh, to Arkansas this weekend. I hope it's a fun competitive series that you get to see in person. And uh, I will check back in with you next week. Yeah, sounds great.
1: This has been Ingram radio voice of the Atlanta Braves. And I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the chase Thomas podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program, and if you're an Apple podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves. Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you that you're interviewing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You're, um